Welcome to DC Prime Time. Moving on with our annuals this week. Uh, I know uh, originally scheduled we were going to do our Flash annual this week, but the boys from DC uh, DC are uh, our fathers, and today is Father's Day. So when they had originally scheduled to be on with us this week, they had forgotten that their wives had already made plans. <laughs> so. Yeah, yeah, Sean was like, oh, you know, we were all set for this. And, uh, yeah, poor planning on all of our parts. We completely didn't think about this. And I'm like, yep, me either. <laughs> yeah, I didn't so. think about it either. Uh, but it's okay because we are just going to rearrange the schedule a little bit. And rather than do Arrow next week, uh, we're going to do Arrow this week as our annual episode. And our guest for next week was able to join us this week, which is all the better. Uh, but starting off first, I am from the Showcast on the Next Level Podcast Network. And I am Ben Beck. And from Caffeine Crew and the Caffeine Crew cast of pods, I am Rob Martin. And as I had mentioned, our guest, uh, always a great pleasure to have him on because he's so much fun and he's just an awesome, awesome person. Uh, welcome back, Craig Lagans. Hey, guy. Thank you for coming back on my show. <laughs> uh, I saw that coming up my whole way. I know. I didn't <laughs> think about it. Powerless to stop it. Thank you. Guys. I know. I know. Well, thank you. Thank you for having us back. We appreciate it. <laughs> I'm glad to hear, see that your show is doing so well. Yeah, so. yes. Couldn't do them without you guys, though. It's so, it's so <laughs> funny, too. I love Craig's introductions. Like, anytime we do anything with Craig or we're involved in something that Craig does. I mean, for those of you that went back and, uh, you know, a couple weeks ago, we had our, our panel at Wizard World as the podcast. And we've, we've since posted the video of it. You know, Craig's introduction is, I made a wrong turn and somehow I ended up on this panel. Yeah, <laughs> you know, which is just it's so classic Craig and I love yeah. it. Yeah, I thought and, it was a My Little Pony uh, panel, but uh, it was <laughs> and, you know, honestly, too, if you haven't gone back and listened to two episodes back, which was the audio for that. Craig gave some of the best responses to some of the questions that Tony threw out, like just real just mic drop moments where it was just kind of like nobody was like at the panel was like, I'm not going to follow up to that because yep. <laughs> that was just said perfectly. And I'm like. So, yeah, you know, it was uh, Craig. It's always a pleasure to get a chance to talk to you, especially about the geeky things that we all share. So thank you, Rob. Thank you for the compliment, too. Oh, you're welcome, man. Uh, but as we mentioned, this is the Arrow annual episode or issue, rather, of the DC Primetime podcast. So what we're going to do is we're going to go over, of course, as we did with Supergirl last week, we're just basically going to go over a lot of moments from season five or season four of season Arrow. four. Season yep. four. Because uh, get... we we still have flashbacks to deal with. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Thanks for that oh. reminder. Oh uh, yeah. Well, no, actually, that's great. Now I know what to fill in for my least favorite moments. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> uh, but as we did with Supergirl last week, we're going to go over some of our favorite moments of season four, the least favorite moments of season four, our standout characters, our least favorite characters, best episode, worst episode, and we'll round it out with rating the villain, and of course, rating the season while making predictions for season five. Um, so. So let's um let's get started right away. Let's jump into things, and uh, we'll start on a high because it might be one of the few that we have talking about season four of Arrow. Uh, but let's address some of our favorite moments from season four. I mean, I definitely there are definitely some. I don't want to put down this season too much because I still continue to watch. I still enjoyed the season for the most part, uh, but there were definitely some disappointing moments. But favorite moments. Let's start with some of those. Um, Craig, you're our guest this week, so yes. throw out some of what maybe one or two of your favorite moments for the season were. Um, man, there's so many. Well, the uh, the revelation of actually who died, you know, was was a big one. You know, unfortunately with Laurel, um, but that was that was a big moment. The um, 
the return of uh, a Brie Larbin was a uh, was a nice moment for me with the uh, the swarm or uh, taking over Palmer Industries with the uh, with the mechanical bees uh, was good. But anything involving uh, well, the 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 um, I guess the the introduction and the the laying the groundwork for Mister Terrific uh, Echo Cullum. Uh, character who was, of course, the character's name I forget, but uh, he's he was my favorite uh, character. Uh, this making of the implant for Felicity, I mean for um, yeah for for uh, Felicity's uh, uh, spine, and you know just being a great comic relief slash sidekick slash you know uh, uh, partner for the uh, for Team Arrow. He was uh that was definitely my one of my my favorite moments, and the 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 finale, the Arrow finales are probably the, my favorite episodes every year of any episode on tv they really know how to to close the show there's always a lot of action there's always a lot of character development and great setup so the the season finale was my was probably my favorite moment um i can already tell off the bat we're going to be at odds for for, <laughs> for some of the things that are we're going to be talking about just uh, a bit <laughs> but uh but curtis holt is echo columns curtis, yeah, so uh rob how about you what were some of your favorite moments uh, i gotta say favorite moments right off the bat were actually a lot of crossover stuff slash uh just uh appearances uh, i gotta say right off the bat constantine in this season which it's crazy to think that it was this season so much did really happen yeah uh, but yeah constantine's you know one shot episode and then honestly as well as that vixen um you know megalini k did such a great job portraying her and they got the, the I mean, the effects were fun to watch. It was just it looked so great. And I, I'm really kind of bummed to know that Megalyn won't be coming back uh, anytime soon because of the uh, the news we talked about last week with it's going to be a new actress portraying the role in Legends because of uh, her uh, shooting schedule uh, didn't allow it for uh, next year. But, yeah, I got to say uh, right off the bat, Constantine and Vixen were highlights. And then actually the. Uh, the the part of the crossover that built up to Legends. Uh, I think it was like Legends of Yesterday, I think was the episode. And that was uh, when we got to see that crazy kind of dark timeline moment where you got to see everybody wiped out um, yeah. in their attempt to stop Savage. And I, it was just a really good, strong episode. And I love when you get to see the cast of Arrow, the cast of Flash, all kind of intermix. And it makes me more excited for next season. Can I change my answer? <laughs> sure why not all that, that just, rob just reminded me of all the other great stuff uh, uh, uh diggle's son as arrow and also when we finally got to see the um oh, i'm sorry that was i was going to say when we got to see uh uh oliver with the uh with the traditional arrow goatee but that was in legends wasn't it, it wasn't yeah it. that was legends okay tomorrow. sorry so okay. no that's fine i mean it again i mean these shows kind of blend together sometimes yeah uh, but I don't think that's a bad thing when that happens. I mean, it just means that the stories are so tight that you kind of just forget what show you're watching and you're just watching the story. So I- I'm, I'm okay with that. Uh, as far as some of my favorite moments too, I mean, I only have one written down in my notes here, but it's already been mentioned. Uh, so of course I'll, I'll focus on it a little bit more too, but Rob, you mentioned the return of Constantine. I was so excited to see Matt Ryan return uh, of course, it wasn't on his own show, which I was a fan of Constantine when, when Constantine was on CB. Was was that NBC? I think. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. NBC. Yeah. Um, but I was so excited when we got the news that Matt Ryan was going to be returning as Constantine, and when it finally finally happened on that episode of Arrow, uh, I was very excited for that as well. Um, I the only downside to that was I wish we got more yeah. of him. Uh, I feel like that. Uh, 
it, it wasn't enough of him in that episode. It was such a build up to bring him back. I just wish they would have given us a little bit more of that. But it was all right because I still I still liked having that come back. So yeah. um, some of our least favorite moments, and this is probably where a focus of the conversation might uh, go into. Uh, but, Rob, we'll kick it off with you this time. It, it, we won't go into like we won't list like 20 of them. No, I just I have one major one. Uh, well, actually, I have two. Uh, gonna say right off the bat, the flashbacks. The flashbacks were yes. like a giant waste of time this year, um, yeah. even more so than last year, which I didn't think was humanly possible. Um, but the writers proved me wrong. Um, <laughs> um, and secondly, honestly, the death of Black Canary. Um, that was one of those things that really, really just just drove me absolutely nuts. That that was their character choice to put in the grave. Um, Especially after reading a little bit into it, and it was the idea is like you know we have our first episode and like the little cliffhanger at the end is kind of like you know who's in the coffin, um, and when they started writing the season, they didn't have a plan for who it was going to be, and it seems like they kind of slapped together what they thought was the best idea at the time, and I really disagree with their choice. I really do. I, I think you could have gotten something a little bit more um, from the cast, uh, or done something to kind of elevate the finale a little bit more. And I don't think Laurel was the direct answer to it. Um, we wanted her built up for a long time. And as they started doing it and started making her a stronger character, they take, a, take her away just to make that punch even more drastic when it happens. And I think it was a kind of a, a little bit of a slap in the face to the audience that were big fans of the classic, you know, black canary and green arrow relationship stuff. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, Craig, how about you? Yeah, that was mine. Um, the, the death of Laurel was, and also um, because I love the actor uh, Andy uh, Dickel's brother. I think that whole you know storyline just really bugged me. It's like, is he a bad guy? Is he a good guy? You can trust him, and you can't trust him. And then he turns, and like like Lando turned on Han. It's like, oh, we knew it. And um, and I know his death was supposed to you know it was forwards you know Diggle's character, and it makes him a you know a better person, a better ally for. For uh, for Oliver, but I was really just just done with the whole every any time he was on uh, that he was still you know he was locked up and you know what are they going to do with him and we can use him and he's you know he's a mole he's a double agent I was because I and I love Eugene Bird I love him everything he's he's done ever since he was a kid but um yeah I could have I could have done without without him and yeah Laurel's death was also a pain in the ass and the flashbacks were just such a waste of time yeah I, I'm in agreement with the flashbacks too the flashbacks are just so I mean every time they went to a flashback it was just kind of like we're sitting at home watching be like oh all right I got a couple minutes now that kind of like zone out <laughs> bathroom yeah. break yeah yeah, exactly. it, it, yeah it was a bathroom break slash it felt like a, another commercial break so. yeah pretty much i mean it, it's they the flashbacks are so drawn out like they just don't make any sense to the story until the end of the season so yeah. i mean it, it doesn't make sense that you have all this all these different flashbacks which are just taking up so much of this episode of these episodes when if you were to play them back to back and tell the story it's the last like five minutes of the story that even makes any sense to what's going on to yeah. the actual story uh, to the main focus, the, the main plot of the episodes. So the flashbacks are definitely an, another drawback to me. As far as one of my least favorite episodes, or least favorite moments, uh, and I have it in the moments and not the episodes because it, the episode itself did have some highlights, but I was very underwhelmed with the finale between Oliver and Dark. Yeah. Uh, it was a very lackluster final battle. I mean... 
you built him up all season as this mystic and he has all these abilities and all these powers that get taken away from him somehow with the help of 50 people in the general vicinity mm-hmm. when he's since absorbed the power of 10,000 people who have died. <laughs> so that that balance of power equals out. Uh, yeah. And then you built up all season with him as this mystic, as I mentioned before. But in the end, it comes down to a hand to hand combat. Yeah. Um. Why did you even build him up as this mystic if the final fight was going to be on level ground? You know, I would, I mean, obviously it has to level out somehow for this battle to take place, but I would have much rather seen Oliver for temporarily be filled with the hope of these people to have this big, drawn out mystic battle than two guys who are normal and on the same plane fighting hand to hand. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I I think if you if they spend so much time, you know, having you know, trying to get Oliver up to Dark's level, then why not have the final battle be at where both men are at optimum level of mythicism? Yeah, exactly. So I mean, I think it made more sense that I, I think it would have made more sense if Oliver was filled with the hope of ten thousand people. And even their hand to hand combat didn't last that long. When every you know previous interaction, yeah. With Dark, you know, took like, you know, it was like a 10, 20 minute fight. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, I agree with that. I love the finale, but I, the final battle was kind of a letdown. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, especially because I, I have been saying all season that I think Damian Dark is a fantastic bad guy. I think he's great. I want to see more of Damian Dark. And then at the end, it just kind of fizzled out. Yeah. You know, yeah. Uh, so that was my least favorite moment of the season. And unfortunately, one of the final moments of the season. So it kind of left a bad taste in my mouth going into season five. But well, you know, it's kind of funny, though, too, because like you bring up like the battle with Dark. But we also had it, it's again, one of those things. It's, it's just such felt like such an overstuffed season. Um, there was also you know, we had the the kind of rematch fight between Malcolm and Ollie this season, too. And that was another just kind of felt like a waste of a fight as well. Like it was one of those things yeah. that was. Just over way too fast. Yeah, didn't they? Weren't they supposed to fight to the death like two seasons ago? And wasn't that the like the long drawn out you know battle that it was? And now this one lasted like inside of a minute. Yeah, yeah. If that, I think it was maybe it felt like maybe forty seconds. Um, yeah, it was one of those things that just wrapped up super fast. So yeah, uh, we've mentioned a number of characters uh, throughout the season. Obviously, Oliver and you know Damian Dark the, being the two most prominent in this season. Uh, let's talk about some of the other characters, however, though, because I don't think I don't think either one of us have uh, Oliver as the standout character of the season. Because uh, unfortunately, that's been a big drawback to this this show. Uh, is that Oliver? The name of the show is Arrow. Uh, which is him, and he has never, I don't think, yet been the standout character of a season of the show, with the exception of maybe the first two seasons. Yeah. He could have been the standout character. But since then, in three and four, he has yet to be the standout character. Um, Who do we feel, uh, and Craig, we'll send it over to you with this one. Who do we feel is, in your opinion, the standout breakout character of this this season four? Oh, Felicity, no doubt. Um... The, the, her acting or her story arc, you know, the I'm not one for sappy romance when it comes to a superhero show, but her, the breakup with Oliver and her re, her interactions with Oliver after the breakup were just some of the finest acting you could see on any on any show, you know, and you, you you felt for her, you understood why they can't be together, but you she still wants to be part of part of the team, but she was definitely the hands down the the breakaway the breakaway character 
from this. And she was, and she's funny, you know, and she's, you know, even when her most annoying character of the season, when her mom comes back, the way she deals with her is hilarious. The way she deals with Curtis and um, just, she had some great lines and she's, um, she was my favorite character of, she's the breakout, she's the star of the, the show for me. Um, um, yeah, I guess to a degree, I kind of, Here's the and here's the thing and again this is why I like doing this show with multiple people and different guests because we all have differences of opinions. Um, I think if this was the first half of the season, I would have absolutely agreed uh, with you. But I think by the end of this, uh, by the end of this season, see Felicity for me, and this is kind of jumping ahead in another category, but Felicity for me kind of fell into the worst character, and it's not because of the things that you said. She is a fantastic actor, and you know it, she did stand out. But mm-hmm. I think by the end of season four, we were kind of getting Felicity shoved down our throat. Yeah. I think it was a little too much. I mean, it, if they built her up in the first half of the season as they did, and then she kind of stayed, they kind of plateaued her character to be there supporting uh, Oliver and such, I think I would have been fine with it and I would have had a different worst character. But I think by the end, as I mentioned, I think it was just too much. They were giving us way too much Felicity. And the show was turning into Felicity and Friends. <laughs> you know, yeah, it, we, it really did. I mean, okay. I, I, that kind of mimics a lot of my thought process too. When I, you know, when we get to the next category, but yeah, I, I, I totally know what you mean. Um, I mean, as far as standout characters for me, though, uh, Echo Column. Yes. Yeah, that's actually exactly where my thought process was too. I mean, he is such. He was such a great addition to the team when he finally did join Team Arrow. Uh, I, I can't wait to see because it has been said that he is going to be a season regular next season in season yes. five. So I can't wait to see how his character develops more. I can't wait to see uh, the transition into Mr. Terrific if that's where it's going, which I hope it does. Yeah. Well, I mean, like we did see like the T-Spheres in the background, uh, I think once or twice already this season. So it, it's coming, but I, I'm hoping that they do a slow build up. Yeah. So uh, but I mean, as far as standout characters go for me, that's uh, that's my absolute. Uh, choice right there is Echo Column as Curtis Holt. Yeah, so. uh, completely agree with you on that. Um, yeah, I think he he brought the the right amount of levity that the show was missing this season, um, and it was nice to see somebody that was upbeat and excited to be there, where everybody else kind of was like, "Why are we still doing this? We keep failing," and he was this kind of voice of of reason to the team. Um, and even in the background, it was. He became, as you know, they, they mentioned multiple times this season, uh, Ollie having to become the beacon of hope when all along it was Curtis. Yeah. He, he kind of kept them all grounded anytime he was interacting, even before he knew Ollie was even the Green Arrow. Um, he kept everybody very, very grounded and actually, I think, forwarded some of the best stuff. Yeah. Um, Curtis was what Spider-Man was the Civil War. Curtis was the season four of Arrow. He, yeah. he he made you excited about being like wow this he's wow this is really cool isn't this cool guys he, that's <laughs> what that's what he gave to season four that's a good way to look at it too I didn't even think about it like that yeah, yeah. Uh, and I got to say too other favorite for me Damian Dark uh, he was just okay. a, you know Neil McDonough was just a great charismatic villain that was fun to watch on screen um, and it was a shame that you know his story wrapped up not the way I was hoping I was hoping for something a little bit more bombastic but. He just commanded your attention every time he was on screen. And he did so in a way that we haven't seen on Arrow since we had, you know, Slade Wilson. And it was nice to see somebody that was a big bad that felt like a threat, um, but in a very different way that Slade was. And it was it was nice to see them do that. And it was enjoyable. And I think that was one of the things that kept me watching this season. 
Yeah, I, when I say like obviously when I going back to my least favorite moment with the finale uh, with him and Oliver, I don't want that to mean as if I was very disappointed with Damian Dark the entire season. I I, I did say I loved Damian the entire season. I, I just I thought his storyline fizzled out. I think they could have done better with him. Yeah, I agree. And I actually would have liked to have seen them kind of and we talked about this on previous episodes. I would have liked to have seen them keep him alive and bring him back uh, in yeah. some form or another in, in future episodes. I agree. Uh, he's he's too good a villain. He's too good a character to just kind of go by the wayside. If they can bring, you know, Slade Wilson back, if they can bring, you know, um, Raz al Ghul back, if they can bring, you know, uh, Speedy's father, Malcolm Merlin back, I don't know why they couldn't bring back Dark. Yeah, exactly. I mean, he was too good a villain to be um, a one season and done uh, for this show. So I'm, I'm a little disappointed in that. But yeah, Damian Dark, uh, Neil McDonough was absolutely another great standout character for me as well. Yeah. Um, let's go into some of the actual episodes now. We've we've given the you know our character standouts, least favorite moments, and worst and um, favorite moments and such. Uh, but let's go more specific now into some of our favorite episodes and our least favorite episodes. Um, and Rob, we'll start with you this time around. Uh, I have to actually have two on my list for best episodes of this season, but of course I want to go around and see, uh, cause now I'm very curious because of where we've, we've been so far in the dynamic of all three of us. Uh, I'm really curious to see where we're going to stand. Rob, what were some of your favorite episodes or in your opinion, some of the best episodes from this season? Uh, like I said, I have two, um, and they both have stumbling blocks in the episodes, but I still really enjoyed them a, a great a great amount. One was taken, which was the Vixen episode, because um, it was kind of like a big step toward, if, into the magic realm that we got this season. Aside from Damian Dark, you got to kind of see how it was going to affect the season a little bit. We got a little bit more backstory on Dark. Um, and that was also the introduction of uh, of Anarchy, too, which I thought he was actually kind of interesting. Uh, he was an interesting character, I think, to watch in the background. And actually ended up playing kind of a... It's just like, you know, sizable role, too, in the finale, to at least some extent. But, uh, I, you know, I thought that was just fun. It was strong. It was a great team dynamic episode. Uh, and then throwing Vixen in the mix, I think, didn't hurt anything. And actually, the other episode was Canary Cry, which was them dealing with the death of Laurel. I think you got to see a lot of strong performances out of everybody. The only downside of that episode was the fake Black Canary that was running around. I think if they removed that element from that episode, I think it would have easily been one of my favorite episodes of Arrow. Okay. Uh, Craig, how about you? Um, I probably like the, the, the Brotherhood episode where we saw Thea's bloodlust return just because seeing her just lose it like that. I think there was one scene where she would just had the guy when she, they were Team Arrow's tackling these bad guys. And Thea just started kicking the shit out of one guy. Yeah. Just like, Get that stuff. I'm like, Wow. Like that, and might not have been my best, but it's my most memorable because we hadn't seen that Thea in a while, and really that her, she's really been kind of like back behind the scenes and pushed, you know, way back a lot, you know, when they've developed all these great new characters, you know, like Dark and like Curtis Holt, they've all taken a spotlight. Having it back on her was a was a was a nice change of pace. Yeah, so like the the Brotherhood episode was a stand was a standout for me. It may not have been the best episode, but it, it it's the first one I remember when you said what's your that one really stuck out to me because of again because the fight scenes were top notch. Yeah, and anytime I see and women fighting, you know that style is what really draws captures my attention. Yeah, 
Well, I mean, again, I mean, that's like that's uh, that's the thing. I mean, it, it it stands out in your mind, so therefore, you know, it it's it falls into a favorite. So that's again, it's all a matter of opinion. Best episode doesn't nece- or favorite episode doesn't necessarily mean best episode. So uh, as I had mentioned, I have two, and I kind of have three now because Rob, you brought up one that kind of ties into another one. Uh, but the the first one I have is uh, the eighth episode, Legends of Yesterday, which was the Flash part of the Flash Legends of Tomorrow setup, mm-hmm. uh, in which uh, Rob, you had mentioned, you know, we see everybody taken out, and and um, you know, they go through that whole process as well. So the Legends of Yesterday, I thought was a fantastic episode. But one of my other favorite episodes for this season uh, was eleven fifty nine. Believe it or not, I. And it's not even really because of everything building up to that episode. That episode, the way that episode ended, uh, was more was some of the most emotion I have seen come out of this show yet. Uh, and not even necessarily when Black Canary died, and we saw Oliver and and the rest of Team Oliver, uh, you know, Team Arrow realize that that she has passed on. But the moment that um, Paul Blackthorne, Captain Lance, comes into the room and realizes that Laurel is gone. Yeah. I welt up myself. That was a great, yeah, that was a great scene. So that alone, that fell into my, because of that, that fell into my favorite episode. But it kind of ties into Canary Cry as well, because we did see a lot of that same emotion carry over into that episode. So I kind of tie the two of them together as far as probably my favorite episodes from from this season for for season four um what about worst episodes what are some of our least favorite episodes uh for this Uh, oh oh oh, good oh no i was gonna say if you rob you're ready to jump in go ahead oh i've got my two i definitely (laughs) have my two um i gotta say beacon of hope and broken hearts the broken hearts one being uh cupid's return which in the midst of what everything that was happening in the show it was such a hard left turn (laughs) And it was so cheesy, over the top. It was so quippy. It it was just, it didn't feel like any of the, well, actually, and and actually Beacon of Hope was the week after that, too. And those two episodes just felt so out of place in this season. Beacon of Hope was the Brie Larvin episode that I know, like Craig mentioned before. And while it's fun, that felt like something that belonged on the Flash and not Arrow. It was pop culture reference after pop culture reference. I mean, it felt like if I had a tally, there was at least 60 movie references. And <laughs> bear in mind, there was still flashbacks. So they did it basically in like <laughs> 25 minutes. So it was just it was it was a, a fun episode, but it didn't feel like it belonged anywhere in this season. It was just so off the wall to be there. Um, and, you know, Broken Hearts was the same thing. It was cheesy it was like this big kind of felt like it was a send-up so people could have pictures on tumblr of ollie and felicity you know in a wedding scene and that's what it felt like it was the whole purpose of it is so people could have thousands upon thousands of gifts for you know the the uh, elicity shippers out there you know i just they they both drove me nuts and it was i think i gave both of those episodes sidekicks back to back and it was like knowing that 1159 was coming up i'm like they have to really wow me and it has to be a really good ending and uh that's when I think this season really started falling apart for me big time. And I think Broken Hearts was also another one. You mentioned the picture of Oliver and, and Felicity in the wedding. Uh, you know, we had seen that photo well before that episode. So everybody was under the assumption that, hey, things are going to work out. They're going to get married. And then you got to that episode and you realized what the picture was. And I think that uh, I think that pissed off a lot of people. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, because they were anticipating this wedding and that's kind of they that's what they got, but it wasn't exactly what they were expecting. Yeah, it's like episode 16, 17, and 18. It's kind of like how do we piss off the Elicity fans and how do we piss off the Black Canary fans two episodes later? <laughs> and that was like their whole objective for those three episodes is going across. It was like, and we just have a throwaway episode in the middle of that. So it was just Oh, God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> uh Craig, how about you? What was uh, some of in your opinion, some of the worst episodes? From this um, I wasn't a fan of the arc episode. I the, the whole you know the Wayward Pines esque you know uh, utopia that Dark had built really you know I I wasn't a fan of. Um, I obviously for the story we know what you know what Dark was going for. I just thought that really the whole you know dome inside of Star City that no one's ever seen before and everyone's living this idyllic life complete with armed guards everywhere. Um, yeah, I, that I could have I could have done without. Okay, no, I'm in agreement with that too. I kind of, and it's funny that you said Wayward Pines because I think that's how we referred to it a little, a little yeah. ways back too. Because that's exactly what it is. I mean, it's this utopia built to precede the future while everybody else is wiped out, and that's pretty much what Wayward Pines is. Yeah. Except Wayward Pines is two thousand years in the future. <laughs> Spoiler. Yeah. Spoiler alert! Yeah. But but the fact it's completely hidden in Star City and that no one can find it unless they yeah they had to, it was you know it's completely camouflaged and there's a huge dome. But what well, was underground, wasn't it? Uh yeah, that's right. It was underground. Yeah, it was underground because that's why there's the big crater in the city afterwards is because the whole thing collapsed on itself. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I, I mine's already been mentioned too, and this is why I said in the beginning of the pod in the beginning of the podcast that uh, you know I can tell we're already going to be at odds about a couple things. Uh, Beacon of Hope is probably mine. It's it was another one, and it's not necessarily because of Brie Larvin. It's it's another one of those episodes where it's later in the season. It's episode seventeen, and this is the point where I started to realize I'm like, okay, Felicity is a great character. We realize she's a strong character. But now it's like open up and say, ah, we already made this realization. Now you're going to have a whole nother episode where Felicity is the hero. And, you know, Oliver is pretty much useless this entire episode. Yeah. Uh, so, um, uh, you know, it was the first time that I, I think I realized in the season that Felicity is getting shoved down our throats. Down our throats. Yeah. Um, so uh, that's that's one of the main reasons. It had nothing to do with Brie Larvin because I actually like that actress um, from The Walking Dead. I can't remember her name now for the life of me. She played Beth, right? Yeah. Um, oh God, it's going to uh, it's going to bug me until I figure it out, and I'm not going to figure it out because uh, I can't think of it. <laughs> um, God, what the hell is her name? Anyway. Uh, but yeah, it's again. It was one of that point where we started getting Felicity shoved down our throats, and I was kind of a little tired of it at that point. So that's why it falls into my worst episode. So uh, before we start into like actually rating everything as a whole, uh, you know, rating the villain and rating the season and, and such, any other moments, good or bad episodes or characters, uh, worth at least just bringing up. Uh, that we should shine some attention on before we move forward. Uh, I, I, you know what? One of the things I got to mention that, that drove me a little bit nuts too. And like I said, we reported on it in the news. I think it was like a week or two ago, which was uh, the fact that they just kind of just very casually killing off Amanda Waller, 
who has been a big presence in the show the last couple seasons. Um, and then we did find out from you know uh, an interview with Willa Holland uh, just a couple weeks back that that this came down from top brass from uh, Warner Brothers saying you have to drop this character because of Suicide Squad. Um, and it just makes me think that a lot of the deaths that are happening in these shows is because uh, Warner Brothers is kind of strangling the show a little bit. Um, and I think it, it showed a little bit this season. I mean, there's been a lot of rumblings for a long time now that Black Canary may potentially be attached to Justice League in some way, shape or form. Uh, so I know a lot of people have been speculating for some time now that that was a reason why. And it feels like the writers don't have a way to address these things in a proper way. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I hope that changes next season with, uh, you know, Supergirl now getting Superman in it. So it's they're now finally saying it's OK for us to have multiple versions of characters out there. Like we're going to have two flashes, two Supermans. Why is it such a problem that even smaller characters are represented on the shows as well? So I really, really hope that that is something that's now going to be in the past by the time we hit next season. Uh, Craig, anything you can think of that you want to bring up uh, from this season? Um, the the standout character obviously was um, was Curtis. Uh, the the death of um, of Diggle's brother I thought was well needed. Uh, and I and um, I know your Felicity is your least favorite character, but she had the funniest lines. I wish to God I could think of one that she <laughs> said that uh, would prove my point. But um, yeah, she's uh, those are my my highlights. Curtis Hall, the death of Diggle, and um, the uh, emergence of uh, of Felicity as a as a funny character. Okay, and the and the best actress on the show. Uh, I I just want to say too, I guess for for mine. Um, I want to bring up that the fact that uh, Brie Larvin was Emily Kinney. Yes. God, that was bugging me. You did it, and thanks, IMDb. <laughs> actually, I know we, we were not going to go off the air until you found the that his name, Ben. Actually, it was thanks to Arrow Wiki. Now there you go. Because I had that page up already, so I just clicked a couple links and I found it. Uh, but yeah, Emily Kinney, she, she's a great actress. So again, it wasn't due to, to Brie Larvin. It was, I actually liked that character. Uh, well, with the exception of the bees forming an Iron Man suit, um, <laughs> you know, giant, giant robo bee man, a yeah. giant robo bee man. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I'm in agreement with you, Craig. I, again, Felicity, not, not my least favorite character because she's a bad character. My least favorite character because I just felt forced. Right. Uh, she felt forced upon us. So she did have a lot of great lines. But I mean, again, Echo Column had a lot of great lines as well, too. So, yes. Um, and I was thinking of a great line, too, for Flash, but it's we're on the wrong show because <laughs> the whole time I'm just thinking I'm like expecto Patronum. But that's not this show. That's the other show. That's Flash. So we'll be able to talk about that uh, later on. Yeah. Oh, actually, no. Another uh, note that we haven't even touched on. It was uh, I really loved uh, Ollie getting sworn in as mayor at the end of the season. I, I, I'm looking forward to seeing how that that goes into next season. I'm I'm glad you brought that up because because um, this is the first mention we've had of a positive moment for Ollie in this entire episode. And that's the one thing I know a lot of people were disappointed in the finale so much so that a Reddit post turned it into uh, Daredevil. Yeah, the primary Reddit uh, Reddit page for Arrow turned into a Daredevil Reddit. So yeah, yeah after the finale, because there were a lot of people disappointed with the finale. Uh, but I will say I'm very positive about season five because of the way that season four ended. I'm, and this is kind of going into predictions a little bit, so I'll I'll, I'll nip it in the bud before we actually start making predictions because we'll talk about that a little bit later. Um, 
But I like the fact that the way this season ended was almost like the writers hitting a reset button. Like, with the exception of Oliver getting sworn in as mayor, everything else is kind of going back to basics. You know, the team has disbanded. So now at this point, in my opinion, you can bring back who you feel is important to this show and to this team. You don't have to bring everybody back on a permanent basis. So you can bring back Diggle. You can bring back Thea. You can bring back, well, Felicity, who's already there. Um, and we're going to see new characters added to this. So I like the way the season ended because, again, it was a reset button. The big bad's gone. The stories, the, the current story has ended. There's nothing continuing on into season five with the exception of Oliver being mayor. So it's a fresh start going into season five, which is the one thing I actually really appreciated about the finale. But, you know, that's the one thing is I, I hope they do it right because last season ended on a reset button, too. So and they kind of mucked that one up this season. So I hope that they can reset for next season better than they did this year. True, but I feel like almost this way with the team disbanding, I think this is more of a reset. Yeah, I, I, I will agree with you on that. Because at, at the end of last season, the only person that left with, was Oliver and Felicity. Yeah. And the team stayed together. Now you can kind of like, you know, take Thea, for example. You can, you can bring her back when you bring her back and say, yeah, hey, guess what? You know, Malcolm and I were working together and now my bloodlust is under control. Wash your hands of it and it's done. You don't have to focus on that anymore. Yeah. You know, so you can bring her back with a fresh start. You know, the bloodlust is gone. Everything else is gone. So now it's it's a fresh start. I like the fact of I, I, I think the writers made the attempt at the reset button by sending Oliver and Felicity away. It was a great reset for Oliver because we did see while he was facing a darkness and he's still facing a little bit of darkness. We did see him come back with a lighter uh, background, you know, we did. And I, he was a much more positive character than we've ever seen of him this season. And I think that was something that was great. And I think the negativity kind of went to the team this time around in season four. So now that with the team disbanding, everybody can come back. They can be more positive. They can be more happy because their life issues are flushed out. Oliver's happy. Felicity's happy. The team is happy. We have a team. We have a happy team arrow and we're on to the races. We're off to the races. Yeah. So, um, Going to Damian Dark, uh, the big bad, obviously, from the season. Let's give him a rating, uh, as we did you know, last week on Supergirl with Non and, and such. Um, Craig, the rating systems for this and for the season work a little bit differently. We're still going to give it a sidekick, hero, and legend. Uh, but we're going to add the 1 to 10 into that as well. So 1 to 3 would be sidekick. Uh, 4 to 7 is hero. And then 8, 9, and 10 is legend. Uh, so we'll send it over to you. As far as a rating scale for Damian Dark, what would you rate Damian as the big bad for this season? Oh, legend, most definitely. Uh, just Neil McDonough uh, as an actor is always, I mean, it's his look, his eyes, his demeanor. He is a quintessential villain. I wish he could play a villain in every, you know, not just every superhero film, just in every, you know, series, just because... He's so good at it. You can tell how much he enjoyed, you know, playing the part. And uh, he, re- then that's why I, I agree with what you're saying that it's a shame that it's only this one season and he's out because he's had the potential to be so much uh, a so much bigger character that could influence so many others. And he could, you know, on Flash or even on on Legends of Tomorrow, or even on Supergirl, because he's that good and he could be that, for lack of a better word, omnipresent. 
but yeah, he was the he's the best villain in, in the history of the show, and he's one of the best you know villains in any superhero uh, TV show that's that's been on the air. So definite legend for me. Uh, one to ten, what would you give him? Uh, uh, nine. Okay. Nine, uh, Rob, how about you? Um, like I said, I, I got to agree with almost every point that Craig brought up. Uh, he was easily one of the best villains. I don't know if he cut quite hit the caliber of Slate, but very close. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I agree. I would love to see Neil McDonough do more villain roles. I mean, Christ, just the way he came off this season was like he would be amazing as a Bond villain. Like yeah. just awesome. Um, but I, I got to definitely say right off the bat, uh, I'm going to give him a legend, too. But I'm going to go a little bit under on your score. I'm going to go with an eight because, uh, unfortunately, I think the way that he fizzled out at the end kind of does take, have to take some points off of him for the show. But whenever he was on screen, he, he like I said, as I said before, he commands your your attention and has such great presence, you know, and he, I love the fact that it wasn't just violence for him. Like he was able to play with people's heads so incredibly well. So, yeah, wonderful, wonderful villain. I'm I'm in the same boat. Uh, I'm giving him a legend as well. I'm going to a seven, though, uh, because, again, it, same reason as you, Rob. The, the finale kind of left a bad taste in my mouth as far so, as. So you mean character. hero because uh, four, four through seven is hero. So. Oh, in that case, I'm giving him an eight. OK, uh, because I, I do think he is of a legend status. Um, I agree with Craig uh, that he is, as, at least in my opinion, He's probably the best villain we have seen come out of this show. I do love Slade Wilson and Deathstroke. Don't get me wrong. Um, but I think Damien just had more of a of a presence to him, as you had mentioned. He commands the screen every time he's on. And Neil McDonough is a fantastic actor. Um, so I'm I'm giving him an 8 because I want to bump him into legendary status. But I can't give him a perfect 10 again because of the way he no. he ended. Um it's funny that you mentioned like you want to see him in more in villainous roles because I still remember the first time. Do you guys remember the first time you ever saw Neil McDonough in anything? Uh, Dog Soldiers, <laughs> werewolf movie. Actually, uh, very interesting though. Uh, wow, I haven't even heard of that one. Uh, uh, actually, one of those rare like cult classic horror films and uh, quite fun. So, Craig, do you do you remember? He, uh, he was a uh, L.A. Law. He was a um, he played a villain on that, and but um, and he was. Um, on another short-lived drama, I think on NBC, I think f- because he got it from LA Law, um, but in uh, in Walking Tall probably was his highest profile role as a villain before you know with The Rock before he got Arrow. But he's all he's always been a great villain because of the way he looks. You know, he's uh, the the blue eyes, you know, the, the the silver hair, you know, the the charisma, and because he's funny, he's charming while he's you know psychologically torturing you. You know, and and then his character enjoys the torture, enjoys you know the the struggle. Yeah, uh, yeah. That's the first time I saw him was uh, I think it was back in the eighties on um, short lived drama that I can't remember. <laughs> um, was it? Uh, I'm trying to think because I'm looking at his IMDb page and it's I remember two roles from him. One of them I actually remembered. The other one I didn't. I'm reading it over. Um, but I for completely forgot he was in Angels in the Outfield. Oh, yeah. Um, he was uh, one of the, the California Angels or, you know, at the time. Uh, but the one role I do remember him at and, and was he was Lieutenant Hawk in Star Trek First Contact. Okay. Oh, that's correct. Yeah, and he, he was. And he gets assimilated by the Borg. So technically he becomes a villain in that episode or in that movie. Yeah. Uh, also, I, I do remember him, too, as well, from Ravenous, another odd horror film, but interesting. <laughs> yeah. 
So a little little stroll down memory past for for Neil McDonough. Uh, but now to wrap things up for this before we make our predictions for season five, let's rate the entire season. This ought to be fun. Um, same rating scale, one to three being sidekick, four to seven being hero and eight to ten, which I should remember since I'm the one that came up with it and I still got it wrong. Uh, <laughs> eight to ten being legendary. Um, let's rate the entire season, uh, season four as a whole. And uh, Rob, we'll start with you. Oh, damn you. Um. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, all right. So my gut's telling me two different things on this completely. Um, but I think I'm going to say I'm going to give it a hero because there were some great moments in the show. Um, it is going to be a four, though, out of the heroes like rating. Um, it, this got dangerously close to a sidekick for me just because, again, the side, uh, you know, like the little side stories in the flashbacks do take up a substantial amount of time in the show. Um I mean, if you really break it down, it's almost a fourth of this season was flashbacks. And I think you've got to really take that into account for the show as a whole. And they've just felt like a waste of my time. Um, you know, there was a lot of interesting character emotions and, and, and movement happening. And like I said, Felicity does drive me a little bit nuts, but I still like her character. And even when they did get some good focus on her, you know, Emily, I, I think, has always been up to the task to act the parts uh, part and the scripts that they give her. I think we've seen a lot of uh, really great acting come out of Stephen Amell this season as well. I, I think he's been able to hold things together in, you know, in a very great way, but yeah, it just felt like a lot of the cast had nothing to do this season. And it really reflects on the season as a whole. Uh, Thea had a story that fizzled out and kind of did nothing and went nowhere. Uh, we didn't feel like we saw much in the way of growth from Diggle. I mean, the him and Ollie were at odds in the beginning of the season that lasted a good four, four episodes or so, give or take. And uh, then he kind of got pushed to the background until he had to deal with the Andy situation. Um, and that didn't even feel like it went anywhere super major. Um, you know, we'll see that play out, I'm sure, next season, which led him into joining the mil military. Um, but I don't feel like Ollie grew a ton. As uh, you know, I think him becoming mayor is going to be a great push for him next season. And we, we did get to see a more hopeful Ollie, but I don't think uh, we saw the transition we were hoping for from him this season. Okay. Uh, Craig, turn it over to you for this. Oh, did you give a rate? Oh, you did give it a rating. That's right. Yeah. Uh, but Craig? I, I'll do it the same. I'll, I'll give it a hero. It was um, good. It was occasionally great. Um, would have been great if they had stayed off the island altogether. Um, but yeah, I had to get everything we want from an arrow. I mean, we talked about the show week in and week out. Uh, I, there was never a sidekick episode uh, for me this whole season. Um Despite the flashbacks, uh, everyone was good. Even the even the the show even the shows that were just good but not great were still good enough to keep my attention. I know you guys didn't like the the Brie Larvin episode, but you know I was I was entertained by it. it left turn and all, um, but it was definitely a, a solid season. This is probably the most consistent show uh, as far as the superhero genres uh, that's out there right now that you can depend on week in and week out next to Flash. Because of the uh, the fight scenes, again, top-notch. It, it still astounds me. We're four seasons in, and the fighting has probably only gotten better. And, you know, the, the choreography and the stunt work has just been, you know, incredible. The the, the drone sequence on the on the beach, um, I forget what episode it was, but uh, when the drone started shooting, it, I mean, that's, that was the beginning of the episode. I remember I hadn't even got my dinner yet. It's like, oh, shit, wait. <laughs> Good stuff. 
but uh, that's that's why I love the show. Every every episode there was something that whether it was a fight scene or if it was a um, a uh, a character developing scene or a, a a death, a major death, um, there was always something about this season. But again, it was good, not great, but a solid solid hero. Okay. Um, yeah, I kind of fall in the same boat. I'm, I'm giving it a hero. I'm, I'm not giving it a legend or a sidekick just because I didn't think it was. I know a lot of people really shit on this season, and I give things a lot of credit. Um, I'm very hopeful about a lot of things, even movies that I feel are really, really horrible. I still give them a shot. Um, so I gave this season a shot, even though a lot of people are still shitting on it. And I still in, there were definitely moments of the season I enjoyed. So I falling right kind of in the middle. Uh, I'm going to give it a six. Uh, out of 10 uh, because I did feel there were a lot of highlights. Again, this was one of the seasons where we did see the, I feel like there were some episodes we felt more emotion in this, in this season than we ever have. Unfortunately, it came at the cost of a death of a major character, but we still got that emotion out of these characters. And that was something I've been wanting for a while was we needed to see more emotion from these characters. Um, uh, Damien Dark, uh, you know, going into that uh, was, in my far, in my opinion, by far one of the best villains we've seen come out of this show up until the finale. Um, so I, I'm giving it a high rating because of that as well. Uh, the flashbacks are just killing this. This <laughs> it would have been a much higher rated season if not for this flashbacks. And this season could have yeah. possibly gotten. Like a, a seven or possibly even an eight into legendary, if not if not for these flashbacks. I agree. Yeah, um, totally. You know, as you mentioned, they take up like twenty five percent of the entire season. So, I mean, if you go on a one to scale rating right there, twenty five percent knocks it down to it. You can't get a rating any higher than a seven. You know, with the flashbacks. So, you know, and then with the other missteps that the, the season has taken obviously it's, it's going to drop down so but i'm giving it credit i'm giving it a six uh so i'm keeping it in the hero i just hope going into this next season god these flashbacks if they're going to continue on with them which i think there's one more year of flashbacks yeah uh at least in his time before it catches up to when he present gets, yeah present yeah. day when they as uh, season one starts when yeah season one starts i mean and bear in mind too like the, the four i gave it like that's more out of, you know, I could give it a little higher, but it's just because I know these writers and what they're capable of because they have given us, like you guys both said, emotion. This season had some really great emotion coming from this cast. They really, really did. But we've seen them tell some amazing, amazing stories in seasons one and two. And the fact that we know they're capable of those stories uh, is the only reason I, I really have to dock it where I did because I know they can do better. I really know the writers can do a better job than they, they've been giving us. Yeah, and Craig, I'm on the same boat with you as well, too. I mean, uh, again, this is kind of a name drop to the other podcast, but, you know, uh, you know, on the showcast, we had the opportunity to speak with James Bamford, who is the fight coordinator for Arrow. Mm -hmm. And I feel that's one thing this show has really stepped up. Oh, God, yeah. Yes. The, the fights in this show are almost equivalent to what you see in Daredevil. And exactly. they have a drastically larger budget to shoot that show. But yeah, Bamford has done an amazing job of making these fights have such incredible impact. And the only time we haven't seen them have that were like the fight with Malcolm, the fight with Damian Dark. But yeah. every other small little fight is so meticulously done and so beautifully shot that it's like cinematic caliber. Yeah, it exactly. really, really is. Exactly. And the women and the fact that the women are fighting it, too, is what gets me And the, And they're female stunt people that are 
are doing or taking the bumps and taking the falls is re- it's what's really groundbreaking about about the show. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, and the stunt works. I mean, when they were on the motorcycles and the back of the semi shooting at each other and again, awesome movie quality, like you said, movie caliber quality stuff. Yeah. So, as we mentioned, you know, season 4 has wrapped up with Team Arrow kind of disbanding. Everybody is going their own ways. Diggle is going back into the military. Thea is taking a vacation. Uh, Oliver and Felicity are still at Team Arrow headquarters. Uh, and we have seen Oliver sworn in as the uh, as the stand-in mayor for now. But we kind of assume he's going to become the full-fledged mayor uh, by the time this show returns for season 5. Uh, we have not yet gotten notice as to who the villain is going to be for season five, but we do know it is not going to be anybody of any metahuman capabilities, of any supernatural capabilities. He is going to be, or she, is going to be flat out normal, uh, a normal person. So the show is getting back to what it should be, what they wanted to focus on to begin with. Uh, and as Stephen Amell has said a number of times too, um, you know, not only in many interviews, but also in our interview, knock, knock, um, had to throw that out there. Um, but he has said that the show kind of lost a little bit of its focus because they were a stepping point for these other shows. You know, two seasons ago, it was The Flash. This season, it was Legends of Tomorrow. This season, season five, there's no focus. There's no new shows to start off. Supergirl's coming over, but Supergirl has already been established. So they can focus now on the story of season five. It can get back to the focus of Oliver and Arrow and what this should be. So I have a lot of high hopes for season five. I hope I'm not disappointed. But what are some of our predictions? What are some of the things we want to see come out of season five? Uh, You know, right off the bat, I got to say, I really kind of hope they take a page out of what Legends is planning on doing next season. You have the team disbanded, which I think I think you guys are both right. I think it's a smart move. It's going to make things interesting. But now, like when we get into the news, we know we've got like, you know, on top of Echo Column next season is, season is a regular. It looks like we have two more vigilantes and like two like male vigilantes at that. And since we've seen so many females in the show, which has been great. Um, but we're going to see more join the fray. And I, I kind of hope that makes the team more of a rotating cast, which is what they're planning on doing in Legends next year, uh, where it's not going to be, you know, I think the core is going to be Ollie Felicity. And then, you know, Paul Blackthorpe probably will be in the mix somewhere there, too. Um, but maybe that gives him the opportunity to bring in some of these new vigilantes that are working alongside of him and then bringing in Diggle here and there and, you know, expanding out Curtis and then having Thea come back at the right time. So we don't have to feel like we're balancing eight characters in a single episode. Mm-hmm. Um and that way, everybody can get the proper screen time and stories that they need without feeling like they're just touched upon. So we're only getting a taste each week, which never seems like it kind of you know satisfies anybody that has a fan favorite character. So I think really hoping that that's what they do next year is we get a lot of balance, but the focus is on Ollie building this new team. And I think that'll be the smart move. And I think that makes something very excitable. OK, uh, Craig, how about you? I agree uh, 100%. I hopefully they'll get back to what made us fans of Arrow in the first place. For me, it was always like Dark Knight, the TV series. You know, um, and now with this dichotomy of Oliver, Mayor by Day, and, you know, uh, Avenging Angel at night, I like that idea. I love the fact that the villain is going to be a a human, you know, non-powered, you know, villain, uh, which is what... Arrow should be, and which is what Star City should be. I, not that I wasn't a fan of the mysticism and the magic arts, but keeping it grounded, you know, 
keeping it, you know, on Earth and keeping it non-mystical would be great. I'd love to predict that the the lessening of flashbacks. I know we're going to, if if not, just keep the keep it down to maybe maybe like five minutes or ten minutes a, a shot, or just even it just if it keeps it relevant to the current story. Um, we know he's off the island. That's the only thing that gets me. He got off the island, right? Like, and now he's going back, and he's got to come off again at some point. So, uh, I'd like to see the less less flashbacks and more of a uh, uh, a grounded era, more of a. And I would even be uh, uh, averse to the fact that they picked up season five like uh, in the future ahead. Like this could be five months or six months into Ali's term uh, as mayor, and we could see where. Um, where Curtis is at, at Palmer Industries and where Felicity is in Palmer Industries, if she's still there. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't be adverse to a, a, a jump forward in a, in a couple of months, in a year to um, Tara. But definitely getting back to the basics is what I hope what I'll see in season five. Uh, you know what? I'm kind of in agreement with you on on the whole future thing, too. Like, uh, not even like five, six months, but I mean, uh, why can't we even be like a full year into his yeah. term. I mean, because it's obviously it's not going to be like these guys all disbanded and they took the weekend to figure out their problems. It's they're going to need time. Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. So I, I, I would like to see. I mean, and hopefully that's what the writers decide to do is that when season five returns, Oliver is mayor. He's been mayor for a while. The town has kind of because we don't want to see the next big bad come right in after Damian Dark. We want to see. You know, some of what Oliver has done as mayor to improve the city, you know, repairs have been made. The city is back to normal. It's it's a bustling city again. It's been great for, you know, a while. And now all of a sudden these things are this thing is happening. This this villain is coming in. Trouble is starting. This is what brings the team back. And, you know, because I'd, I'd like to see this villain be the reason for the team to return, not the other way around. Yeah, right. and I, you know, I would love to actually see them too. Go back to a little bit of what you saw in season one, season two, which maybe the first half of the season is the lackey, kind of like what we got with Jason Blood in season two before we really pushed into Slate. Um, that's something that we haven't seen the last two seasons. It just kind of feels like a lot of little stories building up to something, and they're like, oh, by the way, here's here's the big bad early on. Uh, give us a nicer slow reveal. I think it worked a lot better for the show, and I would like maybe seeing a little bit more of the villain of the week stuff, just to yeah. kind of show us where the characters are and make them relatable. Uh, and then you, 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 you feel grounded after four or five episodes to where everybody really is at, then get off the ground running. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I, I again, I have a lot of high hopes and I, I, as you mentioned, Craig, I would like to see when the show returns, it is a bit in the future, yeah. uh, you know, six, five, six months in the future, even up to like a year or two in the future. I'd be fine with that. Um, I, I'm also in agreement with you, uh, the flashbacks, I'm okay with flashbacks if they're prevalent to the story. Right. And I don't need a flashback every time we return from a commercial. You know, it's it, there doesn't have to be a, a flashback in every block between commercials. One or two flashbacks, three or four minutes each, you know, so totaling maybe 10% of the episode and then move on. And it's this way you have a shorter story being told in those flashbacks, which means you can s- stretch it out. And every scene that you are flashing back to is important to the right. story. Yeah. I mean, and we even saw them take a break in a couple episodes this season away from flashbacks. So I hope they're not afraid to do that a little bit this year. Like you guys both said, it's making them relevant to the, great, the greater greater story. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so I think that 
pretty much wraps it up for the arrow talk. Unless anybody has anything we're, we're thinking of that we're missing. No, I think that's it, man. No, I, you got that's everything it. I wanted. To, I got everything I wanted to say out. Cool. Uh, so before we go into our news and recommendations, obviously Craig is our guest this week, and we've focused on Arrow this this week for this annual. But we do know, Craig, you watch Supergirl, you watch Flash, you watch Legends. Uh, we want to turn it over to you for a short period of time, and we want to hear your thoughts on, uh, you know, just some quick summaries and and such. Uh, what were some of your favorite, uh, your favorite and least favorite things about these other shows? We'd love to hear what you th- what you think about. Um, favorite episode of Supergirl, obviously, was a crossover. Um, I think that uh, was such a long time in the, in the making and, uh, you know, probably the worst kept secret in terms of uh, <laughs> superhero hype ever. But it delivered. Um, it was a fun, quirky, you know, type of show. And uh, I said that was the best part of, uh, of Supergirl this year. Uh, best part of Flash was the, uh, the whole speed force and the reveal of who was, you know, the... Uh, who was on, who was the man in the iron mask and then we had been talking about that all year it seemed uh but that was my um, favorite flash and arrow are kind of like one and one a as far as like the best superhero shows on tv uh in the, which arrow always delivers and you know what's the the flashback only going to make it a negative what the flash i really can't think of any negative that takes away from the show it'd be really nitpicky because i like everything about it i like how they've um They've established Wally West, and they kind of, you saw where he could, you know, the explosion kind of gave him the speed force, and we kind of see where his character is going, and um, uh, we got to say goodbye to uh, Harrison Wells for a while, but, you know, like, villains, like all good villains, hopefully he'll be back, uh, but uh, yeah, my those are my favorite uh, parts of, uh, of of Flash, where the, uh, the season finale, the, the big reveals. And Supergirl was just, as far as the first season goes, it was it was fine. It was good. I don't think that I, it was a solid hero for me. I don't think they ever had one legend episode. I loved the the Flash episode, but I wouldn't call it a legend episode. It was just really a lot of fun. But uh, everyone did a did a great job. Grant Gustin was my MVP as far as Supergirl <laughs> uh, actors go. He was he was the best when he got to play in a nerdier version of himself when they went to Earth Two was. A, a great episode, just a real, really fun episode. Uh, what about uh, what about Legends? Uh, Legends, uh, Legends kind of fell by the wayside for me. I I like the future uh, spots. I like uh, I dropped the spilled spill the beans earlier when I uh, we saw the Diggle Sun as Arrow and we got to see the uh, the Oliver Queen with the the blonde goatee, which you know gave me a full on nerdgasm. <laughs> um, for me, that was those are my highlights for. For Legends, I like the fact that they're staying, hopefully, in staying in one place. They stayed in one place during the, towards the end, stayed in one era towards the end. Uh, I love, obviously, um, uh, God, um, uh, sorry, uh, Snart, that character who's my... Oh, uh, Captain Cold. Yes, um, but he's, you know, my, he was my breakout, um, of the whole show, and he... To me, it's like my was my Damien Dark in that every scene he's in, he commands it, even though he talks so slow and every <laughs> word deliberate. Uh, but you know what? Like I got used to that by the end yeah. of the series. Yeah, and I look forward to it by the end of the series. By the end of the series, like oh man, he's gonna say something funny, and I'm just, I can't wait for him to speak. Uh, but uh, yeah, and and Legends of the uh, Legends, Legends of the Fall, uh, Legends <laughs> of uh, um, 
tomorrow. It's probably in in the third. Uh, they're you know a, a distant third as far as uh, my favorite. Uh, oh, fourth. I'm sorry, after Supergirl, as far as my favorite uh, uh, superhero shows on TV. Uh, it's got great potential. I'm glad it was renewed. You know, it was a whole glut of shows that were that were taken off the air this year, but I'm glad it's gotten getting a second shot. And I look forward to more crossovers with all now that all of them are finally on the same network you know get all four of them we can have a whole week of uh oh uh, dude i can't wait for that that's gonna be so awesome <laughs> i agree how do you, craig how do you feel about the fact of, of supergirl moving to cw because i don't think we've talked to you since that move happened no uh no you haven't um i i think it's it's uh it's great i think it's where it should have been in the first place what i heard was being a series i know i thought cbs it doesn't fit their mode at all it belongs in the CW, so as as sad as I was that it was canceled, I'm happy that the CW picked it up and made it, you know, where it shouldn't have been in the first place. Um, I think it it sets up a great tentpole for them. They, we have a different superhero show every every day of the week except Friday um, for um, you know Arrow, Flash, Supergirl, and, and Legends of Tomorrow. I think it's a it's a it's a windfall. I think it's a great. It's a great day for comic book people of all races. That <laughs> it was picked up by CW. It's um, I, again, like like you said, Rob. I looked. It sets up us up for a massive, you know, crossover every a week long event of Arrow, Flash, Supergirl, and Legends, where we all intersect. I, I honestly yeah, can't yeah. I mean, one of the things like I know I was joking with uh, it was the idea now that we have uh, Supergirl and Flash. They could potentially, if they wanted to be a little crazy, do kind of like a mini crisis on infinite earths because those mm-hmm. are the two biggest catalysts. Uh, well, no, not even catalysts, but they're they're the two big uh, prominent deaths that happen uh, in that event, original event. So I'm wondering if if I don't know if we'll see it this season, but maybe next season um, if they play around with that idea a little bit because I think it'll be interesting to start being able to touch upon some of these larger DC stories that I don't think that even the movies are going to touch. And I think they really have an opportunity to, to actually play and have a lot of fun. So, yeah, yeah, um, uh, yeah. You mentioned Crisis on Infinite Earths, but I know another thing I would really like to see now that these shows are so close together. Um, obviously, we want to see the massive four-part crossover that's going to be happening, which we've already been told is happening. So, um, mm-hmm. I, I'm I don't even I'm so excited for that that I don't even care what the storyline is. I just want to see it. Exactly. You know, it it doesn't even matter what the storyline is. It could be pertaining to the whole Flashpoint story. Flashpoint story could have wrapped up by at this point, and it's something completely different. I don't care. I just want to see exactly these four characters working together. But I also wouldn't mind seeing Melissa Benoist come over and play Power Girl at some point. Yeah. Um, yeah. Where where her her earth equivalent on the Arrowverse is power girl. That would be really, really unique if they did something like that. Or even, or even her coming, you know, from a completely different world, uh, you know, where, you know, where Kara is power girl rather than Supergirl. you know, have her somehow come over flash, recognize her as Kara, but she doesn't recognize Barry and play into the whole fact that she's not actually Kara from this earth where she's Supergirl. She's power girl. So I would love to see that happen. I think that would be amazing. That and the big question is, where are we going to see Big Blue uh, in the mix of all this? Are we going to have Superman yeah. in that mix? That oh, could, man. That's yeah. something even more exciting to think about is if they have the balls to do that as well, where, you know, we have a Green Arrow, Supergirl, Flash, half of the JSA, and Superman on screen for four days in a row. That would just be incredible to watch. It would be massive. I mean, and you think it, about it. It's like watching two two films back to back. 
it, yeah. it's just going to be so much fun to see. Yeah. Even more fun for me would be the secondary characters, you know, getting together. I mean, I always like when Felicity and and Fink, and Cisco get together, but now you can get have um, you can have Jimmy Olsen and Curtis. You know, Curtis is gonna have a crush on Jimmy Olsen. You can have you know Snart, you know, getting <laughs> into it with with Supergirl, and you know that the the possibilities of the secondary characters are you know are endless. Oh God, yeah. I didn't even think about that. Like I was excited just picturing the main characters working together but i mean just like the the all and like surprise every time diggle sees barry run away yeah. uh, you know imagine him when he sees kara fly off into the distance and or firestorm yeah okay. i mean there's so much that's gonna happen i mean and how is rip gonna factor into all this i mean that makes yeah. it so much more interesting to think about definitely god this is <laughs> i can't wait I really, <laughs> can the it, mind can, wobbles can it be like november already seriously <laughs> Uh, actually, if if I got to give a weird, weird prediction, uh, and I would love to see if you guys remember from season one of Flash, there was uh, Flash van- vanishes it, you know, in 2025 during crisis. Maybe they go into the future uh, to stop that event from happening as a, as a whole That's or right. something like that, because they could do a crisis story that takes place in the future. And it's them dealing with it. These characters now going into the future to maybe stop that. Oh, All my, these little things. They could have so much fun with this. My my brain just started to melt with the image of uh, Oliver, Supergirl, uh, Jimmy Olsen, and all these people on the Wave Rider going into the future. Oh, so it could be so cool. <sighs> my, brain, so cool. My, brain just, <laughs> my brain just melted. We can talk about this for hours, but uh, so we should probably move into the news. This, but... <laughs> is going, this is going to have to be its own podcast. We could. Yeah. We could easily do it. Is yeah, what is the ultimate team up? You know. Yeah, it's it, it, this is going to have to be one of the episodes over the summer. Is just talking about predictions for just this four part crossover, which is going to be amazing. That could be. Uh, but let's move forward, and we'll do some news and recommendations, and then everybody will get a chance to do their cheap plugs, and we'll wrap things up. But uh, going into the news for this week, uh, I have a couple of things, and Rob, I know you have a lot more than I do, so I'll do my two quick casting notes, and then I'll turn it over to you. Uh, starting off first, sticking with Arrow, uh, Josh Segarra cast as Star City's newest vigilante in a season five regular role. Uh, Oliver Queen is getting a new ally. Uh, Arrow has cast Josh Segarra, formerly of Chicago PD, as a new series regular for season five. He will play Adrian Chase, Star City's new district attorney and an ally of Mayor Oliver Queen, uh, who aims to clean up the streets through the legal system. Uh, Adrian Chase and his alter ego, the Vigilante, are characters that first appeared in the 1983 new Teen Titans annual number two. So we're getting a Teen Titan on Arrow, which is pretty exciting. Finally. So um, and secondly, the casting that I have, we had made mention of it a little bit earlier and it's been all over the Internet. So I'm sure you've seen it by now. Uh, But Supergirl has finally cast its Superman that in the form of Tyler. Is it Hochlin? Hochlin. Hochlin. I I was close. Yep. Uh, Teen Wolf alum Tyler Hochlin has been cast as Superman Clark Kent in season two of Greg Berlanti's produced drama Supergirl, uh, which is making the jump from CBS to CW for its sophomore season. Uh, so I, I, Rob, you're more familiar with his character because you watch Teen Wolf and I refuse to watch anything that's on MTV. <laughs> so, um, but I, I, you know, I wasn't familiar with his character. I looked him up and the pictures that I saw online, he looks the part. He does. Um, and he, he was a fantastic actor. I mean, um, you know, Teen Wolf was one of those things I originally scoffed at when I found out they did it. But uh, it very much felt like a modern day Buffy. And Colton Haynes came from there, too, who was uh, Roy Harper and Arrow. So, um, you know, they have a lot of 
I think there's a lot of strong caliber actors in a lot of his projects. I mean, Christ, look at half of the shows out there. Like, you know, Flash and Supergirl came from Glee. So, yeah, exactly. Uh, Craig, are you excited about this casting? Yeah, um, kind of disappointed that it wasn't Tom Welling, but uh, I understand where they're going <clears throat> with it. And I, like you said, he looks, you know, like Superman. And then, you know, with all the the, uh, the times that they mentioned him and the times that we saw him briefly and, you know, the, the super, and Skyping Superman and, you know, I am Superman, they had to bring him <laughs> in. And uh, I'm, exci- I'm, I'm excited about it. And um, I don't know. We don't, we don't know how many episodes he's, he's appearing in, do we? We, or do we just know he's been cast. Well, we, we know he's going to be in episode one and two at the yeah. very least of the okay. season. So they're starting off strong. So Good. it's just a question of how many episodes he's going to appear in. Right, and and how will be received by by us the fans, and what kind of storyline it's it's going to be, um, because the show is called Supergirl for a reason. It's not you know, he I hopefully won't dominate too much, but I'm I'm looking forward to it. it was a it was a great choice, and I started watching Teen Wolf at the beginning, so I like you, Rob. Um, <laughs> but the, was a fan for for a while. But um, I'm also like you, Ben, and anything on MTV probably is not worth watching. Yes. <laughs> uh, but I, and I'm with you, too, Craig, that I was I was kind of secretly hoping for Tom Welling to come back and reprise the role. But I think a lot of fans were, especially as we kind of talked about last week with a lot of legacy actors that have played parts of like these in the past. So it's a shame. Like I said, again, it's a damn shame that Brandon Routh is playing the Adam because that would have been amazing yeah. to see. Yeah. So uh, Rob, over to you for the rest of the news. OK, Um <laughs> So I'm just going to try to clump all the movie stuff together here real quick because there's quite a bit of stuff to go over. A uh, big thing is probably when you're hearing this is probably Monday. Um, but tomorrow, that means Tuesday, there's supposed to be a very large Justice League movie reveal of some type. Um, they've been building up to saying there's something major announcements coming. Uh, we do know a lot of the press has been on set last week. And uh, my guess is the unveil is going to be we're going to see a little bit of behind the scenes stuff. But I think we're also going to finally fully see the cast assembled in their group shot, all of them in costume. That's my guess. Um, and uh, maybe they'll start talking a little bit about maybe what to expect from some plot stuff, or maybe even an early teaser, I think could be interesting as well. But the movie is still like, I think close to what a year and a half off, give or take. I think um, so. Yeah. Um, you know, aside from that though, like I said, uh, there are the final uh, numbers for Batman versus Superman's domestic run just wrapped up at 330 million. So uh, not terrible, but, uh, you know, not, I think, what they expected. I think it was in the number five slot for the year. So um, next up, too, is Wonder Woman is about to celebrate her 75th anniversary. And they are stating that Warner Brothers is planning on a large showing for her at San Diego Comic-Con. So I'd expect we're going to see a new trailer in just a few weeks and uh, a lot of buildup starting for that flick. Um, On top of that as well, we have a lot of, like, information now about the Batman versus Superman Ultimate Cut, which comes out on VOD in two weeks. Well, a Um, a quick note on that, too. I looked into that while we were talking. I don't think the VOD version is the direct – is the Ultimate. I don't think Ultimate comes out – I think Ultimate is only Blu-ray until the release of the Blu-ray. Then it's VOD. Oh, actually, it is. It is. I actually just – I pre-ordered it uh, yesterday, so. But the, but the running time of the VOD version is only two and a half hours. It, that's the running time of the normal version. There's a, not... there's, there's a separate listing for it. It's it's funky on how Amazon has it listed. Um, but it, you know, regardless, it is it I, is coming okay. out quite soon. I so. stand corrected. Sorry. So uh, <laughs> so I believe it is still on uh, the 28th. I believe 28th. Yes. Okay. Next, next Tuesday. 
So to give you guys a little bit of a breakdown of some of the things that did change in the film, we did find out Jenna Malone, who we reported in the past that was uh, playing Barbara Gordon, is actually not true. She actually is just playing a Star Lab scientist that helps uh, Lois Lane kind of uncover the secrets behind the the bullets that uh, LexCorp was using uh, in the beginning scene of the film, which apparently has been expanded upon quite a bit and showing that Lex fully set up Superman to take the fall, showing... Uh, how they killed off multiple people. Some of the people that were actually reported on the news were actors, uh, specifically kind of to spin the piece against Superman, which was, I thought, kind of interesting because it's showing that he actually had a greater plan. It makes him seem more like a menacing villain. We also did find out that Clark actually spends a nice chunk of time during this ultimate cut actually investigating who Batman is. So he, you actually see Clark Kent as the investigative journalist, um, which I think is something that was sorely missing. Uh, and it gives some more ties to a build up between them when they do have a showdown. It's not just Superman looking gloomy up in the sky. Um, you know, we also know we're going to see a little bit more Bruce and Alfred. The fight scenes have been ex- extended as well. And um, the fact that we're also going to see Superman actually being Superman, that infamous scene where you see the Senate building explode. Apparently, there's a whole sequence of him flying in and out of the wreckage, saving people. Something that we all gave this movie a lot of negative points for is the fact that he never was a hero. He always seemed very reluctant to be a hero, and it's nice to know that there's actually a brighter part of him in this. So I'm very curious to see this when it comes out in a couple weeks. Um, And then kind of moving into some of the last pieces of news, there's a little bit more casting as well. Um, We also got another uh, announcement for Arrow. It's somebody by the name Rick Gonzalez who will be joining the cast as the character Wild Dog. There's no statement right now at this point in time if he will indeed be a season regular, but it's another vigilante uh, and actually quite a seedless character back from the 80s that will be joining the show as well. Rick uh, Rick Gonzalez, if you're not familiar with him, is in Ash vs. Evil Dead. Oh, okay. There you go. Uh, and then also Nick Zano uh, is going to be joining Legends of Tomorrow as Dr. Nate Haywood, better known as Steel slash Citizen Steel. He's had multiple names in the past. And Actually, not to I'm be... sorry, I'm corrected. He's not from Ash vs. Evil Dead. Ah, gotcha. <laughs> sorry. Um, but uh, it's, this is not the steel that a lot of people are thinking of the John Henry Irons. This is the JSA steel, which is why they did twist the name to Citizen Steel. Um so we do know that is coming up as well. We also have dates now when the show returns. Flash is coming back October 4th, Arrow October 5th. And then the following week, Supergirl will start off on October 10th and Legends of Tomorrow October 13th. So we're not too far away. And uh, last but not least, the last thing I have here is Legends of Tomorrow Season 2 will have a build-up to its villain, unlike Season 1 that we did mention before. So instead of the crossover um, that we saw where we saw Vandal Savage... This is going to be playing more from the book of Flash and Arrow, where we're going to get a build up to the big bad. And we did find out officially the Thanagarians will not be part of the villains for season two, officially from Greg Berlanti's mouth. So uh, so no Baris to watch. No Baris to watch, folks. So no more Hawks. I think we're going to see a bit of a break on them. So and uh, that, that wraps up news for me. Uh, cool. So, yeah, a lot of stuff happening in the world of D.C. as there usually is every ah. week. I actually missed one. Sorry. All right. Um, Also, the last but not least from E3, Warner Brothers games uh, and also from Rocksteady, the guys behind the Arkham series video games, uh, Arkham Asylum, Arkham Knight and uh, Arkham City are doing a VR VR project will allows you to suit up as Batman. It's about from what I understand. It's about an hour long um, experience. There's no pricing yet for it, but it is exclusive to PlayStation VR. That starts you off in Wayne Manor, discovering the secret lair into the Batcave, being able to officially suit up, and then actually going and doing detective work on a death of an inf- uh, you know a very famous Batman character. 
So it sounds like it's quite interesting, and they did say there's going to be quite a bit of replayability in it. So that will be coming out most likely on PlayStation VR's release, which is October 13th, which uh, coincides with uh, Legends of Tomorrow's premiere. Cool. Uh, so uh, recommendations for the week. I will flat out say that I do not have any. Um, uh, unless you want me to make the recommendation I made when we were off the air before we started recording. recording. Do it up, buddy. Uh, all right. My, <laughs> in that case, my recommendation is go, uh, go see Finding Dory. It's, it's awesome. It's such a good movie. If you liked Finding Nemo, you'll love Finding Dory. So I know it's not DC related, but I, had, I needed to come up with something. <laughs> so, uh, but Craig, how about you? Your recommendation for, for the week. Yeah, um, yeah, I have a big recommendation. But before that, you said Rick Gonzalez, well, he's going to be an Arrow? Yes. Yeah. He was uh, um, the kid in um, in Reaper. Yes. Was, um, That's he, correct. Yeah. yeah. And then um, uh, the rookie and in uh, old school, he was Spanish. That's then, that's, that's where right. I knew him yes. from. Yes. Uh, he was in. Yeah, he was in. He's been in. He's a very prominent actor. You've known. Yeah, he's he's, tons of stuff. Yeah, he's been in Biker Boys, The Rookie. Um, oh God, what's the one with? Um, oh, Coach Carter. Is, Coach Carter, yeah. yeah. He was in the so, TV series uh, Bent um, for a while with um, Amanda Pete. He was in that with uh, J.B. Smoove. Yeah, he's been, and he's, he's been doing it since he was a kid. Hopefully he's got his hair cut because I, I always, the only way I know it's him is because he got that huge amount of hair like that I always have. But, um, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing him on uh, – because when he said Rick Gonzalez, I said, where do I know that name? But he was – you know, he did the Ricky Schroeder thing. He's now Rick Gonzalez because in all those movies that we mentioned, he was Ricky Gonzalez. Ah, Gotcha. Yeah, so he did the Schroeder thing. Um, well, it's nice to see it. Yeah, it's a lot of nice, uh, nice diversity coming to that show, which is cool to see. So yeah, I and mean, that's what the CW is. That's what um what um Cat Grant said. It feels like I'm looking at a, an ad for the CW when he had Jimmy Olsen and Flash and um Kira all in her office. Yeah, it's very uh it's a very rainbowlicious uh, casting. Yeah, when I did. had when I said he was in Ash versus Evil Dead, I had him confused with uh, Ray Santiago. Mm-hmm. Oh, so yes. they look they they're very similar looks in in the way they look so that's why it was it was I had them confused that's but okay. no yeah made a mistake <laughs> um my recommendation is um well outside of the whole rebirth saga and on comic book end and the um this, the establishment of civil war 2 um the uh latest civil war 2 uh series uh, death of a major character but my biggest recommendation is the dark knight returns the last crusade uh one shot that came out uh, this week, it focuses on the uh, the tiny um, now era of uh, Batman and Jason Todd as Robin, and um, it focuses on the Joker when he was uh, captured in Arkham Asylum, and the the it's planting the seeds of the Jason Todd Joker uh, epic storyline death in the family. But this is a great uh, one shot drawn by um, John Romita Jr. Um, He's an amazing artist, absolutely yes, amazing artist. Absolutely amazing with uh, and always has been with uh, with Batman, but with Daredevil, with Spider Man, uh, great stuff. But for any Batman fan, please pick up Dark Knight Returns: The Last Crusade. It's a great Joker story. It's a great Batman story. It's a great um, Robin story, and um, it's got everything all wrapped up in one. After it was over, when I got to the last page, I actually screamed no, like I would in a TV show, because I wanted more. I wanted to be. I didn't want it to be over, but that's my my biggest recommendation for the week. Yeah, uh, yeah, and I actually picked that up. I just haven't read it yet, so I'm looking forward to reading it now, just based off your recommendation. Thank you, sir. And uh, I'm actually kind of flashback to two weeks ago. Um, 
continuing with a little bit of rebirth. Uh, Got to say the rebirth num- uh, number one special for the Flash, uh, which was a really great continuation for those of you that did pick up and read the rebirth special. Uh, this is where you finally get to see a little bit of continuation of the discussion of the Watchmen and what Barry's plans are to kind of dig into this a little bit. And uh, we see him and Bruce decide the best thing to do is keep it tight uh, tight uh, to the chest at this point, and the two of them are going to be looking into this together in the near future. So it's kind of fun to see Flash and Batman are going to be the ones spearheading, I think, the continuation of this story. But on top of that, um, the change up now with the status quo of having, um, you know, Wally West back, the original Wally West, uh, uh, and now knowing that he's going to be in a world with uh, the new 52 Wally. So I think um, just seeing the buildup on how the dynamic is and how this is affecting Barry is actually very interesting, and it looks like it's going to be a very fun story. Um, But on top of that, too, uh, issue one of Green Arrow, uh, not the Rebirth special, but the continuation that came off of that with him and Black Canary has continued to be an exceptional read. Uh, I still highly, highly recommend it. And, uh, you know, right now, all the Rebirth specials that are coming out are just phenomenal. But those those two are really standing out. And I think Green Arrow is going to be a book to watch. And I think what makes it very special is it's the same writer that was writing it in the New 52. Uh, and that book was kind of all over the place, didn't know what it wanted to do. But when they were kind of said, hey, we're going to establish these characters back to what they were, the writer immediately knew what he wanted to do with that character. And it's a massive tonal shift, and it's working so incredibly well. So it's amazing to see what happens when you have a little bit of quipping and a goatee back in the fray to, to <laughs> change it up. <laughs> so, um, But it, it, it's an exceptional book, and I think it's going to be one to keep in your buy pile. So. Yeah, because I think the way these Rebirth specials are, if I'm understanding it, that we had the the actual DC Rebirth, which was a, a standalone uh, one-off. Um, uh, and then we have each of the individual characters are getting their own individual Rebirth, and then they're going into issues number one and continuing on with with the stories. Yes. Correct. Okay. Yes, correct. And the only things that are not going to go back to number ones is Detective Comics and Action Comics are going back to their original numbering. So uh, I think action, or I believe it's Action Comics is like like issue nine hundred and something right now. So yeah, I know Detective Comics is seven, Detective Comics seven ninety six is coming out uh, next week. Yeah, Action Comics is nine fifty seven. Yeah, that's yep. actually what I have so. now. So and Detective Comics is nine thirty four. So I mean they're yeah. way way up there in numbers. And, They've been going on for forever. Yeah. Yeah, for people that are diving in there, too, just going to give people some fair warning because I know a lot of places are not talking about it. Some of the new 52 books are not finished yet and will not be finished until I think almost some of them won't wrap until August. So you are seeing some of these stories. So pay attention to the books that you're checking out. Check comic book reviews, whatever you need to, to make sure you know the proper jumping on points. So basically the best way to do that is pick up the Rebirth specials and then wait to see those number ones because a couple things are like an issue like... 50 51 still just as they're hitting their 52 numbers before they hit the reset point so bear in mind on that i'll tell you what i i I guess this is kind of a recommendation but you know going back i started picking up dc again ever since rebirth a couple weeks ago and and, you know i have a I'm, i'm still catching up i have um in my collection i have the green arrow flash superman wonder woman you know green lanterns i have all of them i just have to read them but the one comic i actually i picked up just for pure cool uh curiosity and i'm actually really enjoying i'm really enjoying reading the harley quinn comics okay um they're just a lot of fun i mean and it's i don't know it's it i don't know for some reason i'm just really enjoying them so i if if you get a chance to check them out too i've only read i haven't gone back to number one that's currently on issue 28 so i've i've read 
uh, 26, 27, and 28. So I kind of jumped into the middle of the story, but I'm enjoying which, it. It's a lot of fun. Out of curiosity, which one are you reading? Because I think there's four out there. There's Harley and her gang of, gang of Harleys. There's Harley's Harley, book. Yeah, Harley's Black Book. Then there's Harley Quinn, and I think there's, and then, you know, the Suicide Squad book. No, this is just well. flat out Harley Quinn. Okay. Yeah, I'm not reading any of the other side ones. It's just flat out Harley Quinn okay. that I'm reading. So, And that's the one I'm really enjoying. Oh, yeah, it's, it's, it's stupid and goofy and fun. And that's exactly what it is, and that's exactly why I'm loving it. So, uh, all right. So before we get out of here, let's make some plugs and let's find out where everybody can be reached. Craig, we'll start with you. Uh, you can reach me on Facebook anytime you want, uh, Instagram and Twitter. I'm Craig Lagans on all three of those uh, platforms. Again, I'm the only Craig Lagans on social media. Uh, it spells my name the way I do, L-I-G-G-E-O-N-S. Um, don't have any shows coming up right now, per se, but when I do, you'll be the first to know. And hopefully one day I'll have my own podcast and you guys can be a guest. That'd be awesome. And I do, uh, yeah, and, totally. and I do have to say, um, follow Craig on Twitter. He's absolutely hysterical with some of the stuff that he says. And uh, if he ever does the show again, which I hope he does, Craig, this is the first time we're talking to you on the podcast since you've done it. Um, I loved your your one-man show, man. I was in the Thank audience – and I highly recommend it to everybody. It was it was so well done. Thank you, sir. Thank yeah, you. And I really hope you do it again because, unfortunately, I was out of town when you were doing it. But I really want to see that show as well. So, Rob, like I, I tell Ben, like I told everyone, uh, I will keep doing the show until everyone sees it. Exactly. <laughs> okay, awesome. So next time. No matter, no matter when time. I do it, uh, someone will always miss it. And I'll just keep I'll say the same. I'm going to say it till I'm going to keep doing the show. Till everyone does it, till everyone sees it, and I will do it again before the end of this year, guaranteed. Awesome, yeah. So if uh, you know, next time you decide to do it, we'll we'll plug those dates, man, because we want people to head out there and see it. Thank Indeed. you, sir. So, uh, Rob, how about you? Uh, as always, you can find me at caffeinecrew.com, dot uh, com, and we have a monthly geek culture podcast that both Craig and Ben is uh, normal on. Uh, Ben, more specifically, he's pretty much there every episode now, <laughs> and it's just a monthly geek culture show uh, where we kind of dive into. More of just broader geek topics uh, as well as touching upon some of the current day things that are happening. But uh, we like to try to get into some of the deeper discussions. And then again, that's a monthly show that usually posts at the end of every month. Uh, as always, too, you can find me on Facebook and Twitter at Simply Caffeine Crew or email me at thecaffeinecrew at gmail.com. Uh, and of course, I am on the showcast on the Next Level Podcast Network, which is, of course, this podcast is a part of, uh, as well as a number of other podcasts that we do. Uh, we can be found on uh, .com, uh and there you can find links to our Facebook page, our Twitter accounts, uh, iTunes, Google Play, all that fun stuff links to all the interviews that we've done over the course of the past couple of years we've been doing this. And I'm very excited that I'm in production right now is a new podcast that's going to be coming out hopefully by the end of the summer i'm hoping to get it started in which i'm hoping both rob and craig will be a part of as well yeah. uh it is a podcast for all film nuts out there in which uh it's probably going to be a every two weeks so bi-weekly podcast because i'm already doing enough weekly podcasts <laughs> that another one is just going to drag me down uh, but yeah, it's, we're going to talk about film, you know, one episode we might talk about like Stanley Kubrick films. Another one, we might talk about the movies of Matt Damon. It's, you know, so many different themes, new guests every week. 
so definitely keep an eye out for that on the website as well. But as Rob, you know, Rob and I can be reached at the same time. If you have any recommendations or anything you'd like to hear us talk about on this podcast, uh, you can email us at DC primetime at next level radio online.com. Uh, so with that being said, a couple thank yous, Craig, thanks again for coming on this week. Always a pleasure. I'm glad you guys can make it out to my show. Um, you're welcome anytime. Oh, really. thank you so much for having us. We really appreciate it. <laughs> uh, and of course, uh, we have to thank who we didn't thank them last week, but who did our music last week? Uh, I don't have the name in front of me, but what I'll do is I'll send you a link. So for everybody out there, when you're if you just go on to nextlevelradioonline.com and check the the uh, DC Prime tab. Uh, I'll have Ben post the link under last week's episode and this week, so you can j- jump over to his uh, his YouTube page. But he does some amazing, amazing guitar stuff, and he's got pretty much everything from these DC shows and uh, a lot of Marvel properties as well. Uh, but the guy's work is just phenomenal. I know he's, uh, I believe he's from Ireland. Okay. So, but, yeah, uh, I know. Yeah, awesome, you, awesome stuff. You've reached out, and he gave us permission to use these different themes for these annual issues, and uh, we're loving them because the Supergirl one was uh, was great last week, and the one for Arrow this week is is just as good. So, uh, so special thanks to them, and we'll have the link posted in the description of the podcast as well. Uh, that being said, I think that just about wraps it up for this week's uh, Arrow annual. Once again, thanks to Craig for coming on. And until then, next week, we will have the guys from DCR on with our Flash Annual. Uh, But until then, we will see you guys around the bend. Take care. Bye, Active Cooler. It's as good as you remember. (laughs) Peace. Peace.